And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Is Ben Bova canceled yet? Because it might be coming soon. Because, you know, the internet is the internet. And welcome Jason Hutt here in the bunker at World Headquarters The live chat is open Email address Live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com Comments are welcome if you are watching or listening to this in replay. 192 days without an incident. (laughs) Although we've had some squeakers. We've had some close calls. I kind of like this music track. This This is a pretty good bumper. Oh, my. All right, we'll turn that down. If you are inclined to listen to this show as a podcast, it is available. We call it the Sci-Fi For Me Radio Network. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Double Twist. And uh, you can listen to us if uh, you don't want to see the video. And that's fine. Some people don't. Some people like to take it with them and download it and listen. Sci-Fi Snob, welcome. Hello. Thanks for being here. All right, so we touched on this yesterday, and I'm going to get to it here in in just a minute. Ben Bova passed away yesterday. Uh, David Prowse passed away over the weekend. And it is uh, cause for some discussion that I'm going to get into here. First of all, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, in in the wake of Black Friday and Small Business Saturday and Cyber Monday and whatnot, we have a deal over at SuperheroStuff.com. You can get 10% off your order when you use the promo code SciFi for me 10 when you check out. I'm not sure if that can be used in combination with the Black Friday stuff. No, Mrs. Boss is telling me no. So it does not work in combination with the Black Friday sales. But in the normal course of business, uh, usually it can be used uh, in combination with some different sales and and discounts and whatnot. But there it is, SuperheroStuff.com, 10% off when you use the promo code SciFiForMe10. And with that money that you save, if you are so inclined, we do have a PayPal account. 
we do have uh, a Subscribestar account. So uh, if you are so inclined, certainly it's not any kind of an obligation. Uh, but yeah, we are uh, we are appreciative of any support, and and support comes in a lot of different forms. Uh, people just being here and showing up and being part of our audience. That is support. Sharing the links is support. Giving us a thumbs up, leaving comments, participating in the chat. All of that engagement helps uh, with everything. So uh, social media, we're on every-ish. We're not everywhere, but uh, we're on a lot of them. Uh, for video, YouTube, Facebook is where we broadcast live. Uh, and then we've got BitChute Library. We just set up an account over on Rumble. There's nothing there yet uh, because I've still got to figure out the logistics and the how-tos and the wherefores and the whatnots for that. And, of course, on uh, social media stuff, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Vero, Pinterest, uh, Gab, Minds, MeWe, and Parlor. We went ahead and, and did that just so uh, we'd have it and nobody else would take it. So there we are. So... This is not something that I want to get into, but we're going to get into it. Now, uh, a couple of real quick other additional things. This past weekend, uh, we didn't have some of our usual programming, but we did drop a new episode of Foreign Bodies. It's our brand new show. It's a horror discussion. Leslie Walker and Tim Harvey talking about horror from outside the United States. So episode three... Uh, is out now, which is Russia Part 2. And then coming up on Saturday, Good Morning Multiverse is back at a new time, which was our old time. Uh, when the show started uh, back in January of 2019, we were going at 10 o'clock Central on Saturday mornings. We moved that to accommodate a few things, uh, uh, family obligations or whatnot, but now we're able to move that back. So 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central on Saturday, an all-new edition of Good Morning Multiverse. And hopefully that will allow us to do more with that show uh, and have some additional uh, participation from folks and uh, bring you more content, more quality, as it were. Uh, so, yeah. So yesterday... Uh, ben Bova, acclaimed legendary author, uh, editor of, of uh, Analog magazine, I believe it was either Analog or Asimov's. I can't remember. He was an editor of one of the ma one of the popular magazines. Uh, passed away yesterday because of complications from COVID nineteen. That's the reported cause of death. And I searched on Twitter this morning because I am anticipating. The inevitable cancellation of Ben Bova. I haven't seen it yet, but I have a fairly informed, educated guess on this, just simply because social media, Twitter in particular, has a track record. You look at what's been going on with the likes of, say, Alex Trebek, or uh, who else has been in that in that list of 
they're dead now let's drag them uh, because that that seems to be a thing. So Ben Bova passed away yesterday. Over the weekend, David Prowse uh, passed away, and his daughter Rachel did confirm that it was uh, complications from COVID-19 that got Prowse as well. However, it should be noted, and we should note this for uh, for Ben Bova, although I don't know exactly. They're saying COVID-19. But in David Prowse's case, uh, he had been fighting prostate cancer. He had had Alzheimer's. He was diagnosed with both of those. Uh, and so the, the idea of COVID-19 being the, the killing blow, as it were, uh, strikes me as a little bit, I don't want to say disingenuous, but disingenuous misrepresentative of the of the actual situation um COVID-19 and now my sister and I have had some conversations about this she's a nurse she's on the front line she's in ICU sometimes talking you know dealing with COVID-19 patients so she's seen it firsthand and uh, you know, as as much as people want to sit there and say, uh, well, you you right wingers are all conspiracy theorists and, and everything there. There's not a preponderance as far as I know. There's not a preponderance of thought on the conservative side that the disease itself is a hoax. This 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 is a misrepresentation. Uh, you know, I and I'm not speaking for anybody else, speaking for myself personally, and I've had this conversation with my sister more than once. I know the disease is is not a hoax. My my both of my parents have been diagnosed with it. I know it's real. Uh, Sorry if that's not Bova had a stroke. OK, uh, thank you for that. Uh, I, I had not had a chance. I was working on on David Prowse's obituary last night, had not had a chance to do the one for Bova yet. So my sister and I have had conversations. I know this disease is real. I know it's ugly. I know it's it's uh, it's a danger to some of those who get it. But I also know that the survival rate on this is higher than it's being portrayed in the media. And my biggest complaint always has been, continues to be, that the media and the politicians have weaponized this. Not that the disease itself is fake. And there are a lot of people out there who who feel the same way. It's not it's not the fact that the you know, we're not questioning the existence of the disease. You know, there are a lot of us who sit there go, how did it get here? How bad is it exactly? Uh, and does does the severity of the caseload justify what's going on in the economy and and it's not just in the united states there are people questioning on the shutdowns of the economy the effect that this is having globally and i know you can get into the whole reset you know the great reset and the globe you know the build back better and this and the world the words that we're starting to see from various different government entities around the world and it has it has people kind of scratching their heads but the the idea of COVID nineteen being the cause of death uh, sometimes kind of makes you look a little sideways and squinty at things. And when you look at something like David Prowse's death, attributed to COVID nineteen, but he also had cancer. He also had Alzheimer's. 
Oh, okay. Not the not the point of this. I guess I, I you know I, I digress just a little bit on this, but as uh, the news spread on social media over the weekend, the news broke. I think it was about twelve thirty a.m. early Sunday morning into Sunday night, early Sunday morning when this news broke, and sure as shooting, at some point. Um, you have people coming out of the woodwork, and it, it's these—it's these, uh, what Richard Meyer calls the twelve crazy people on Twitter. So Mark Hamill posts on his uh, Twitter an acknowledgement: "Sad to hear David Process pass. He was a kind man and much more than Darth Vader. Actor, husband, father, member of the Order of the British Empire, three-time British weightlifting champion, and safety icon, the Green Cross Code Man." Uh, and we do have uh, one of his uh, public safety PSAs in uh, the obituary that we posted over at SciFiForMe.com. He loved his fans as much as they loved him. And this first one, this response to Hamill. Now, I've got some issues with Hamill on some of his stuff, but that's, not, that's neither here nor there. Somebody says, it's a pity that later in life he lost his way politically. Now... Whatever you may think about politics and ideology, wherever you fall, that's boorish behavior. That's crude. It is disrespectful. It is inhumane to drag anybody immediately after their death. I mean... Realistically speaking, you shouldn't do it anyway. I mean, you know, disrespecting and dishonoring the dead is, to me, kind of a kind of a despicable place to be in the first place. But you start to see this, and and it's not just Prouse. It, this kind of thing happens with ev- almost everybody, and it seems that a lot of the dragging takes place for people who had some sort of a conservative bent. In this particular case, apparently, uh, Mr. Prowse was pro-Brexit, which we all know is wrong think, and there are four, you know, there are five lights, not four lights, right? And it's because of this one thing, I guess, that it is you know, the reason enough to drag him. I mean, yes, no, it's right. You're right. They can't respond back. Um, you can't. Uh, you can't defend yourself. You can't defend your reputation when you're dead, and that actually gives me into uh, something that uh, gives me a nice little segue. Amber Mack, who is a tech guru, AI. Uh, best-selling author, speaker. She's a co-host of the AI Effect. She does a lot of pod, uh, podcast stuff, you know, shows about technology and society. And she's got a newsletter, and this is article here from Fast Company, 10 Lessons from CEOs on How to Manage Corporate Reputation in a New Era of Activism. And I want to get into the guts of this here in just a second. But first of all, I want to do uh, this one quick thing to compare because you have uh, you have the Star Wars community 
is uh, one of the grounds zero for a lot of this in terms of activism and dragging and, and culture war and, and that kind of thing. The latest target, of course. Uh, you've got James Arnold Taylor out there being dragged for having a parlor account. You've got, uh, you know, now you've got David Prowse being dragged for being pro-Brexit. And then this circles back here uh, to Rosario Dawson and... Because she was front and center now, everybody's talking about her for, for Ahsoka Tano. It actually comes back to her, uh, the accusations that she's transphobic. And, and, and I don't know if this is a coordinated thing, but it seems like transgender rights is the, is the cause celeb du jour. Uh, because this is coming from a number of different uh, directions where... Um, if, if you don't use, if you don't use the right pronouns, uh, you are, a, you are, a you're a Yahtzee and we cannot have you, uh, existing on the planet. And there have been people who have actually admitted to, uh, speaking ill about me, uh, because of uh, my political stance, people saying, don't do business with him, don't work with him, don't, uh, don't collaborate with that guy. Uh, there have been people that have been asked, how can you be friends with him? Uh, I've had people say it to me directly, uh, that they have been questioned for being associated with me in any way, shape, or form. How could you, they say. And fortunately, I do have friends with integrity. I do have uh, clients or so business associates who have integrity who sit there and say, this is about more than just one aspect of a person's uh, existence. Uh, so it's, it's one of those things where uh, we, are, we are more than the sum of our parts. And it's... The, the politics of the day, this is, this is not going to go away anytime soon. Let's, let's be clear about that. Uh, whether you like or respect the president or not, uh, at, at some point, Donald Trump will go away. Whether it's in January or whether it's four years from January, who knows? It doesn't matter. He is just right now the justification and rationalization for a lot of this irrational animal farm 1984 behavior that we're seeing. But he is not the cause of it. Make no mistake. He is only a, a justification for it. They're using his existence and his policies and his decisions and behaviors and whatever as an excuse for doing what they're doing. He's gone. They'll find some other reason to do it. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where we're just going to find the next thing. You move the goalposts. It happens a lot. Eastland, welcome to the chat. Chain blocking is stupid and existed before the fancy electronics, but grown-ups should not chain block and should mock chain block. I agree. Um, I don't know that mocking the chain block does any good. I think it kind of perpetuates a little bit more of this us versus them uh, mentality. But I do agree that people should be critical of those 
who use the 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 block bots and the chain the chain blocks and that kind of thing. If you if you follow a certain person on Twitter, then I'm going to block you, whether we've had any kind of interaction or not. I think it's it's immature. I think it's unhealthy, and it drives this narrative that uh, that that we cannot get along. Um, you know, there's there's a certain group that's saying, you know, we should have unity after the election is all settled and the dust the dust settles and everything clears up. We should have unity. No, because for the last four years there has been an ideological war almost across everything: Star Wars, Doctor Who, Star Trek. Those are the big ones. Uh, video games. You look at the you look at the stuff like uh, like what happened with The Last of Us Two. You look at now with uh, with the Mandalorian, with Ahsoka Tano and, and, and Rosario Dawson. So we'll circle back to this. This article here in Vanity Fair, an interview with her about uh, her first appearance as Ahsoka Tano, uh, the designs, how long ago this has been going on. But they do get to the controversy about her... Uh, oh, I don't know exactly who this was, somebody who worked for the family. And she's, you know, they're asking her about these claims about her, about her and about her family being uh, anti-transgender. And the ants, you know, the, the court records on this thing with the, with the thing, 18 of the 20 claims against Rosario Dawson and her family have been dropped uh, without any kind of a settlement. There's just 18 of the 20 claims have been dropped. This is a nothing burger. This is a nothing thing. All of the claims against her have turned out to be nothing. And she says, you know, as we're seeing right now in these past months and just recently, the truth is coming out. Every single claim of discrimination that has been dis- has been dismissed by the person who made them and as you said, the fact that this is coming from someone I've known since I was a teenager, the better part of my life, and who my family was trying to help us we have many times in the past, really just makes me sad. But she's sitting here saying the truth comes out, and she says the reason that all of the discrimination claims were dropped is because they didn't happen. And as we see in other circumstances, in other discussions, when somebody makes... When somebody makes an accusation, and when somebody, you know, la la la, neener, 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 social media has a tendency to blow up about it. But then when the truth comes out, social media is remarkably silent. As is the media when some of this stuff happens. We saw it with the with the sad puppies and the Hugo Awards. We saw it with Gamergate. The 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 idea here that retractions and corrections it almost seems like those things cause a kind of an allergic reaction in some people. Um, you should be willing and able and mature enough to admit when you're wrong, but you should also have uh, the, the, the self-restraint enough to sit there and say, well, this accusation has been made, 
let's wait until more information comes in because there are a lot of assumptions that get made straight off the bat and, and not just about Rosario Dawson, but just in anything. An accusation gets made and people dump on them and, and, and jump on this and this is how it is. And it turns out it's not. And we see this a lot in uh, in fandom circles, too. Um, <laughs> something about lies going around the world and truth and pants. Yes. Um, I, I think the actual the, the actual quote is a lie can circle the globe three times before the truth gets its you know, puts its pants on or something like that. And it's true. I mean, people are so ready to believe. And, and you know, what is it that Goebbels said? You know, you, you, you repeat a lie often enough and people start to believe that it's true. And that's what we see a lot in, you know, again, in social media, we, we go back to this. Tim, Tim Harvey had made the complaint about this when, when H2O went away for a while. We went on hiatus. I took a break. And Tim had the Tim Harvey show for eight episodes. And one of the things that he complained about was the fact that he could not talk about what he wanted to talk about. Because it was right in the middle of the Me Too explosion. And we were getting all of stuff about about Harvey Harvey Weinstein and stuff that was going on in in that was relevant to the genre space. And he was, you know, you're talking about the news of the day. I was like, I just don't want to talk about this stuff anymore because it just keeps going over and over and over again. And it feels like this is what we were kind of doing this now is we keep circling back to this culture war and these busy, you know, the busybody brigade, the cancel cult that keeps coming after people that are in our space. And here we are again. And we're talking about this kind of thing. And it's social media is making it more relevant than I think it should be, than it needs to be. It's, uh, Eastland has got a good point. When a person is slandered, often there are no details. This is true when electronic media is involved or face to face. Uh, uh, blank made me feel uncomfortable. It's a typical slander. And it is you 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 know it is very easy to make the accusations, and we are in a culture now. We have been conditioned through the media, through social media, we have been conditioned to accept accusations at face value, as long as it fits a certain particular ideological narrative. And if it doesn't fit the narrative, we, you know, it's it's put your fingers in your ears and la 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 and 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 go away. There is no there is no dialogue anymore. There's no discussion anymore. There's no conversation about things. Tim Tim and I don't agree on a lot of things politically. And when we have those conversations, Tim's very articulate about his points. He makes his points in a very cogent and, and re- well-reasoned way. I don't necessarily agree with him, but I respect that he is uh, coming from a standpoint of having looked into things and, and, and done some research and done some homework. He may be drawing conclusions that I don't, that I don't particularly agree with, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to try to shoot him in the head the next time I see him because he doesn't think the way I do. And that's, Social media. 
Now we were talking about, you know, uh, we were talking about uh, Thanksgiving over the week over the weekend. We were talking to my kid. He's like, well, why don't they want us? Why, why don't they want us having these holidays? It's because they don't want us to sit and talk with each other. Sci-fi snob, you're right. Discussion is dangerous. When people start having conversations and they start comparing notes, they start talking to each other, and there's like, well, wait a minute, something doesn't add up. And you have this, uh, now we can go in here to this Fast Company article about uh, 10 lessons from CEOs how to manage corporate reputation in a new era of activism. This was published on November 24th in Fast Company magazine. Denise Bryan, the author, and I want to skip down here a little bit, but first, just to, to open this up, reading from the article here, a changing landscape of social, political, and business dynamics is creating a new set of challenges for CEOs. Corporations and their hard-won reputations now have as much to gain as they have to lose from sudden changes in perception. To gain a deeper understanding of the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead, we sat down with corporate leaders representing almost $2 trillion in market cap, billions of dollars in revenue, and millions of employees and asked them to share what they see on the horizon and how they are approaching the changing demands of corporate reputation. Now, I, we're not going to get into all of this, but these insights, and they don't really talk about everybody that they've talked to, but these are, you know, based on our interviews, we've got these 10 things. It's a listicle, kind of the thing that we don't do. But this first point here of their takeaways from all of these interviews, employees have become the new corporate conscience. Employee support is a game changer, but it is not a given. Armed with the knowledge that internal pressure can affect more change than external pressure and empowered by generational and societal trends. I want to go back to that because generational and societal trends change. Remember that part. Employees may now be among a company's most vocal external critics. Companies need to treat employees as they would their customers, investors, policymakers, and other influencers as stakeholders critical to their reputation. I'm going to disagree with this. I am going to disagree with this most vehemently. Uh, because as you see, and we, we get this with Spotify employees uh, being... Um, crybabies about Joe Rogan and we get the staff talking about uh, uh, this uh, what is this um, where's the publisher here is it uh, Penguin Random House Canada publishing Jordan Peterson's new book and, and there are vocal members of the staff on these, on these, at these companies who are sitting there going, how dare you do this? How dare you make this decision? How dare you give this person a platform? How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? We saw uh, plenty of articles about the internal uh, reactions to Trump's election at Google. And the, the, the wailing and moaning and gnashing of teeth and people, you know, dining on ashes and wearing sackcloth and bemoaning the fate of the world. I mean, these people are, are 
for lack of a better word, babies. Immature babies. And we've even had it here. Not to that degree, not to that extreme, uh, but I have had, and we've got an all-volunteer staff here. We've got people, in, and it's a, it's a revolving door. I've had probably a good 40 or 50 people that have contributed to this site over the last 12 years. And there have been a handful, a very few percentage, a, a very small number of people who take offense at something that I say or something that I write or something that I do and not necessarily having anything to do with the site, not having anything to do with what we do here, but they take exception to my position on, say, uh, fill in the blank, some, some kind of a political thing. I can't believe you said that about President Obama. I can't work with you anymore. Okay. If I were to, to be like, the, if I were to adopt these policies and recommendations like you're seeing in this Fast Company article, I would be bending over backwards saying, oh, no, don't go. How can I make it better? No, my company, my rules, if you don't like the, 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 the corporate, quote unquote, the corporate environment here, if you don't like the working conditions here, you are free to leave. And I'm not going to think ill of you. You know, if we don't agree on politics, that's fine. I'm not, I don't expect everybody. You know, I've, t I've said this before. I don't expect everybody on the staff to agree with me. That's dumb. I don't want to be surrounded by a bunch of yes men. Yes people. Yes women. Yes whatever. That kind of... of, of echo chamber at the corporate level, at the business level, is harmful to the business. We've seen this in a number of places. The most recent example probably has been Sci-Fi Girls, that blog over at Sci-Fi Channel, which is now defunct, gone. Look at Newsarama. Newsarama is essentially gone, getting folded into Games Radar. io9, essentially a, a, a hollow shell of itself getting folded into Gizmodo. You see what happened with Gawker Media. You know, Huffington Post now being bought by BuzzFeed. All of these companies suffer consequences for doing this kind of thing. Kickstarter, 30% loss of staff. Uh, that's a good point, Eastland. Thank you. You know, you look at the NFL, the NBA, Gillette, Marvel Comics, and DC Comics are going through this now. DC Comics just announced this YA book. I'm I'm Starfire's daughter, or whatever. I'm the daughter of Starfire, and it's some it it, it just it this it's it's garbage. You look at the artwork on this stuff. There's no quality control. There's no there's no effort to do anything that that is appealing. To the broad general marketplace, we are we are in a point now where all of these companies are worried about their reputation as it is viewed by 0 0.26, 0 0.3, however much percentage of the of the global population. Marvel Avengers, the new video game. 
96% of the gamers who have been playing that game are no longer playing that game. Because they say it's a garbage game. The focus has been on Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel. A, char- a minor character who has absolutely nothing to do with any of the of the Avengers stuff that we've seen as far as like the movies, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You make a you make a video game called Marvel's Avengers and there's an expectation there. And when you center it around a character who has not had that much attention outside of her own book, then people are going to react somewhat badly. The Last of Us 2, the blowback on that was enormous. And especially when it came out that Anita Sarkeesian had had some influence on, on Mr. Druckmann's decisions to, on, on the designs of that game. But now, of course, it is the best game of all time throughout the entire year in all perpetuity. Hallelujah from all of the games media. They think that it's the best thing since sliced bread and cheese. That's a political decision. That's an ideological position. We are now in the midst of a culture a seismic cultural shift. And Eastland, yes, I I agree. Just do your job, get along. And she says the best example is that lady would drive voters to the polls to vote against her husband who was a road supervisor in the county. Voting was an important right. Yes. And yes, uh Southwest Knob, I did see that that Ellen Page is now deciding to be known as Elliot Page. Again, this has a genre connection. Ellen Page, part of the part of the cast of the Umbrella Academy, wants to go by the name Elliot and use the, the pronouns he and him. Where does it stop? Is Ellen Page a hero now? Or a heroine? Who? I don't want to minimize this. I mean, and certainly, you know, any anything that I would say certainly has the potential of putting a target on my back. But who does this help? How does this matter? And it's not necessarily the fact that I think that it's not important, but there will be battle lines drawn over this. There will be lines in the sands. There will be tribal activity, the likes of which uh, we haven't seen in a while, but we see it over and over again. It's just a matter of intensity. This happens. Oh, well, now this is the latest thing. And if anybody wants to criticize Ellen Page for now wanting to be Elliot Page, you're going to get labeled uh, as as transphobic, homophobic, or whatever. I'm not phobic about anything. I'm not afraid of any of these people. I don't care. What bothers me is the amount of emphasis that's placed on all of this that you must toe the line. You want to call yourself Elliot, that's fine. 
But when you start lobbying for the government to force me to behave a certain way, we're into 1984 territory. You know, I've said before on a number of occasions, we are right now at the intersection of 1984 with, you know, the the media narrative. We're going to tell you how it is, even though it's not exactly how it is. We are at the intersection of 1984, Animal Farm, where we're all equal, but some of us are more equal than others. And if you go back and you read Animal Farm, the sayings and the phrases and the rules and the stuff that were painted on the side that kept changing, oh no, they've always been that way. The, the goalposts continue to move. Brave New World, our drug of choice now is social media and reputation. And we must, we must conform or else. Here's the next point. Fear of any public criticism. This is from the Fast Company article again. Fear of any public criticism causes corporate paralysis for any meaningful action. All right, folks. Putting a black square in your Instagram is not meaningful action. It's performative. It is virtue signaling, but it doesn't do anything. If you want to be an agent of change for whatever cause you adhere to, for whatever cause you want to embrace, liberal or conservative, I don't care. Doing something online is nothing. You have to actually take some action, whether it's going out onto the street corner and and holding up a sign and demonstrating or putting money into particular organizations that have the same goals that you do, or calling your elected officials and saying, hey, this is how I feel about this thing. You have to be proactive for whatever beliefs you hold. If all you're doing is putting up a rainbow flag in your logo for a month, that means nothing. If all you're doing is PR spin to appeal and pander to a certain group, it means nothing. And if all you're worried about is how your reputation plays out on Twitter, it means nothing. And in the United States where we have a capitalist society and where we have a constitution that guarantees certain rights, the, one, the, the, the main one being sacrosanct, the right to speech, the right to peaceably assemble. You can say whatever you want to say, and, oh, well, you know, the right, you know, free speech doesn't mean free of consequences. That's right. But it goes both ways. And if you're going to signal a certain ideology, you need to be prepared for the consequences, no matter which direction you're going, right or left. And if I want to sit here and say, I hate The Last Jedi, I am entitled to that opinion. And if I want to sit here and say that I think Rosario Dawson is miscast as Ahsoka Tano, I have the right to that opinion. If people are sitting there saying, we think that the Disney sequel trilogy is garbage, they have a right to that opinion. 
Conversely, if you have people who sit there and say that they love The Last Jedi, they have a right to that opinion. People who think that Jodie Whittaker is the greatest doctor out of the entire history of the show of Doctor Who, they have a right to that opinion. And to sit here and say, you should not exist because you have that opinion, that is wrong. It is immature. It is dangerous. Joe Rogan is not a conservative. Joe Rogan has various different people on his show. Joe Rogan comes under attack because he is willing to have a dialogue with people who don't share his political or ideological or sociological beliefs. When we get to this point where we are no longer allowed to even have a conversation about what we like and what we don't like, then the republic is over. And we are no better than any other third world banana republic. And you can use whatever litmus test you want. The Last Jedi, Alex Kurtzman's Star Trek, Chris Chibnall's Doctor Who. It doesn't matter. Fandom, in this context, fandom should be bigger than that. Fandom should be better than that. Aislinn says, movies should not be political. I like or don't like the actor and say you're a Nazi for not liking the actor. It's a bad place in the entertainment industry. That's true. It is. And we're going to start seeing more get woke, go broke. And, and whatever you may feel about a person's political beliefs, you know, and we've talked about this on the H2O podcast a number of times, you have to be able to separate the, the artist from the art. You have to be willing to separate the 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 product from the people that make it the problem with that is now you have social media activism from the people who represent the brand and you look at this fast company article here um it's no longer a choice to separate executive reputation. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> Let me try that again. It's no longer a choice to separate executive rep reputation from corporate reputation. Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, those kind, you know, Steve Jobs, yeah, uh, Wozniak. Although you know, those guys are so deeply in, entwined with their companies. And they represent a brand. Bob Iger is Disney. You, know, you look at Jeffrey Katzenberg. You look at Rupert Murdoch. You look at, uh, um, oh, who else? Oprah Winfrey. They are their brand. But also stop and consider that the smaller people the other employees are also the brand. 
Chuck Wendig, Tom King, Gail Simone, Ryan Johnson, Mark Hamill. Chris Chibnall. Joss Whedon. Ray Fisher. Dan Slott. These people also freelance, independent contractors as they may be, they still represent a brand. And it is within their power to restrain themselves from doing something gargantuanly stupid on social media. And yet, they continue to do things gargantuanly stupid on social media. How you behave individually... If you are associated with a brand, and this, this gets into a little bit of gray, dodgy stuff, but if you are representative of a brand, whether you work for that brand or not full-time as, as an employee or as a contractor, if you're associated with a brand, then you have an obligation, you have a duty, a fiduciary duty, if nothing else, to represent that brand and not do harm to the brand. Chuck Wendig, for example, was doing harm to the Star Wars and the Marvel brand. That's why he got lit out of the, of the Darth Vader series. Because he had gotten so far over the top with the whole Kavanaugh thing, he was damaged goods. And people looked at him and said, this cannot stand. And that kind of pushback needs to happen more often when you get people that are being gargantuanly stupid on social media, it is time to sit there and say, you cannot do this anymore. You cannot behave this way anymore. Because I'm going to tell you, this is, this is what's coming. This is the idea here of what we are in for if it doesn't stop. And this is just an example. I don't know who this guy is, this William Gillis who person. And he basically lays out this case that conservative fans should not be allowed in the geek spaces. I don't know who this guy is. I don't care. No mercy for conservative geeks. Who's this guy? Doesn't matter. Don't care. But... This is part and parcel of what I'm talking about. This kind of gatekeeping has to stop. But on the, on the flip side of that, there's a certain amount of gatekeeping. If you sit there and have people that infiltrate your fandom just in order to destroy it or change it or whatever, that's a problem too. It's not an easy thing. It doesn't have an easy solution. But I think the first, the first piece of advice for anyone is 
a little self-restraint is in order. Mrs. Boss was in the store the other day. We talk about, you know, 1984, Animal Farm, uh, uh, Brave New World, social media is our drug. The other, the other cultural touch point there is Fahrenheit 451. Mrs. Boss was in the, in the, in the store the other day, heard a father uh, with a, a father and daughter in the store. She's about, I don't know, seven or eight years old. Father is offering her a quarter for each time she points out somebody who's not wearing a mask properly. This is dangerous behavior, folks. Let's teach our kids to be tattletales, collaborators, brown shirts, snitches. There is a direction that this goes, and it's not a good one. We have been here before. Fortunately, the United States has not been here before. But other countries have been, and it did not go well for them, and it did not end well for them. And I still have hope that the United States is not going to turn into an authoritarian regime. I hold out hope for the republic because of the, of the way our government is structured with the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and everything. I am not 100% giving up yet. And it doesn't have anything to do with the election. The election is going to go however the election goes. I'm talking about culturally. You look at things like the battles in fandom with Star Wars and Doctor Who and Star Trek. Those are the big prominent ones, but it goes it goes every on everywhere else. Video games, comic books, literature. There are sides being taken. Now, fortunately, you talk about reputation. So far, we still are not on the list on Transparency Tube. So I guess there's that. There's not an easy answer, but the, 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 the main thing that we need to do is tend, tend, tend your own knitting, as we say in the South. Worry about your own place and not anybody else's. You know, type out your angry tweet. Take a walk around the block before you hit send. And then delete it. You know, it's it's not in society's best interest to polarize everything and turn everything into a political debate and everything into a culture war and everything into an us versus them. And how dare you? And he said, she said, it shed, we shed, whatever. That's not productive. And if you're willing to talk to people who disagree with you, you should not be ostracized. You should not be criminalized. You should not be penalized for wanting to have a conversation. And just because I have an opinion that's different from yours, speaking in general terms here, does not mean that one of us should cease to exist or be put in prison. 
Yeah, you're right. Sci-fi snob. We're not we're not big enough to draw attention yet. So you know, as as much as I sit here and say uh, it would be nice to have more subscribers than just the fifteen hundred or some odd that we've got, it would be nice to have more subscribers. But also, it you know, the bigger we get, the more the more that there's the the possibility there's going to be a target put on my back. Literally and figuratively, in some cases. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, a programming note, I did mention this early at the top of the hour. Uh, don't forget, Good Morning Multiverse will be at a new time on Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, with the week's news in science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Tomorrow we will have an interview. Gene uh, Cavallos. From the Odyssey Writing Workshop, we talked about it yesterday a little bit with Barbara Ashford. We're actually going to talk with the founder and director of all of that uh, tomorrow here on the program. And I think we're going to try for a Tardis sauce this week. It'll be Friday at noon central. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Be sure you hit your uh, thumbs up on the way out. Feel free to share this uh, link or the channel or anywhere else. Uh, and I did do some homework. It is possible. I found out that you can set up an RSS feed. Uh, you type in the URL for the channel uh, or the play. Uh, yeah, the URL for the channel in your RSS feed reader and it will uh, it will populate uh, as soon as we have new content. So you've got another way of participating in uh, the conversation. Of course, we do invite feedback live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. Leave a comment, uh, or you can send us messages through uh, all the social media. Follow us on all the social media. We will be making announcements about content as we go over there. And we're going to have, we're still, we're finagling a little bit with the schedule going into to January. So I might, this pro this particular program, might go on to a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule. I'm not sure yet. Right now we're Monday through Thursday. So hi, Ryan. Welcome. Thank you for sharing the link. Eastland, uh, I appreciate the kind words there. Interviews are great. Try to catch them live. And that's fine. Um, you know, live or replay, you know, is it is it live or is it Memorex? We are still brilliant and we still appreciate everybody who comes to participate in our in our sandbox. So that's going to do it for us. Thanks very much for watching folks. We will be back with more tomorrow. This has been a presentation of sci-fi for me radio copyright 2020 by flaming dog media, LLC, all rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of flaming dog media.